What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. What's up, y'all? This is Apologia Radio. Welcome back to another episode. To my right over here is uh, back from Japan now. That's the bear, Luke Pearson. Ohio gozaimasu. Ohio gozaimasu. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Domarigato gozaimasu. What's that mean? Chotomateo kudasai. Oh, okay. I mean, that means wait a second, please. How I was did. it? How was it? It was awesome. It was amazing? Yeah. Awesome. We're going to hear about that in a yeah. moment. That's Joy the Girl over there. Uh-huh. Yes, she's here. Praise God. Uh-huh. Nostril Damas. What's up, y'all? Jerry Robertson in the back in the ones and twos. It's Marcus Pittman. I'm here. What's up, King Ginger? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what's the appropriate, like... That's that person over there. No, like, what are you supposed to say? You say, say dude. You say, dude. Oh, dude. Yeah. I heard you actually don't like it when we do that. No, I just... Sailor, my daughter, told me. Joy hates it when you do that. They just do it so, so much. Yeah. Ja- so Japanese, Konnichiwa, is like, how you, you say, that's like a hello, how are you? Uh, or kon- like a greeting? That's a greeting, right? Konnichiwa is... It's good afternoon or yeah. hello. Um, kon- okay, so ohayou gozaimasu. Konnichiwa is... Isn't konnichiwa is a good afternoon? Yeah, or konba- it goes with both. Kon- konbanwa, well, kon- konbanwa is uh, good evening. So, what if you made it better and you're like konnichiwa, dude? Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> so Kone- I'm konnichiwa, dude. I'm, I'm Jeff. <laughs> I was just waiting. Yeah. During that whole little conversation, I was like, "Here it comes." Here it comes. Here Here it comes. comes. You already knew. Yeah, you of already course, knew I, was I already knew. <laughs> I, uh, that's, that's incredible. I'm, Je- I'm Jeff the Ninja, and I actually have background music for myself today. You gotta find yourself your own track, your own back. Look at Joy's dirty looks she just <laughs> dropped on me. 
Picking your own nickname. <laughs> uh, didn't happen. I actually don't mind the, this. What? The song. You don't like you don't mind the song? No, I do mind. I don't mind it. You don't mind it? You like no, it? Yeah, I like Mind you when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Nice. I remember when this movie came out. It's hot stuff. Ernie huh? Reyes Jr. Uh, what was this character's name in Ninja Turtles 2? Was it like Kato or Kano? Something like it, that. It was like yeah. a playoff of like the Bruce Lee character's name oh, okay. from the Green Light. Was it? What was it? The oh my god! I can't even believe the Green, the green, the green Hornet. The Green Hornet. Yeah, the Green Hornet. Yeah, Bruce Lee. Uh, you ever watch that? The Green I Hornet. The original one. I know. I know all about it. I've just seen. I've watched the Bruce Lee documentaries, and I've seen like the clips of the Green Hornet within the Bruce Lee documentary. Yeah, I wonder if uh, that's available on Netflix. The Green Hornet. They should get that on Netflix. Maybe. Yeah. So, Luke, tell us about uh, Japan. What was it like? You were there. You were there with uh, our boy, Dennis. Yeah. Dennis and Jada. Dennis and Jada and the girls. Sarfate. Sarfate. Uh, so he's like a superstar man. there, right? Oh, my gosh. So tell us about it. I couldn't go, and he's probably going to listen to this and be all embarrassed. I couldn't go anywhere without someone stopping and asking for his autograph or his picture. Like, stoplights, people recognizing him. Uh, we took the bullet train to Hiroshima. Like we weren't off the train five minutes, and two different people came up. We're like, "Oh, Sabate!" And so, but he's awesome. He he's gracious. Yeah. And signs all the autographs and. No, that video you put on cool. Facebook where you're in a, the, you're in the Genesis, Beatles treatment. Yeah, when you're, it's like Beatlemania. You're just in this yeah. car. I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah. So when he leaves the games, people like line up, and not just him, all the players, but yeah, you know. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's cool. I I, I, I soaked it in. I was I say about it. He's like, what's up? What's he's up? Like, he's like, hey, ladies. Can you just saw it? <laughs> hey, talk just... about what he did for the earthquake victims. That's pretty awesome. Uh, now I'm going to embarrass him. Uh, he, yeah, he paid for like 20, 20 people from the town that had the earthquake recently because they don't have houses and stuff right now. He mm. paid for them to come to the game. And he, he's... He's like trying really hard to raise money for them and stuff, so it's pretty. They cool. shared the gospel too, right? Oh yes, actually, yeah. Um, good point. He um, he uh, the newspaper asked him why uh, why he was doing that, like why he was helping out the the earthquake victims, and he just straight gave him the gospel. And the newspaper was like, "This is why, because of Christ." So it's pretty cool. So it's like one, I think it's like 1.5% of uh, J- uh, Japan is a uh, Christian population mm. uh, right now. So that's like a, like a huge mission field and it's, mm. yes. it's, it's tough um, just because of the structure of the society. But it's, I think personally, I think it's really unique. I mean, if, if a person is called to go bring the gospel to Japan, um, it's, it's unique because it's a very, it's kind of like Hawaii in a sense where it's very interconnected. Like they're they're big on family. I mean, even their religion reflects that in the sense of like almost like ancestor worship and things yeah. like that. So it's very, you know, tightly connected. And um, you know, you don't. Here's one thing you don't see a lot of in Japan. You don't see a lot of homeless people in the, on the streets in in Japan. Mm. Um, it's just just the way the culture is and the, the the way that they operate. And so it's a it's a unique culture. So I mean, that's like a big mission field. So some people like. You know, thinking about like foreign missions, like a place that needs the gospel and witness of the gospel. Japan's huge, but it's definitely tough. Like it has like it's a, it's just a really unique culture and 
just in terms of like being able to talk about Jesus. I'm sure Dennis, we should have Dennis on some time to talk about yeah. like the culture of Japan and yeah. someone needs to be sent. I'm not personally called to go to Japan. I don't feel that, uh, that, that draw, that pull, but somebody listening does. That'd be kind of yeah, cool yeah. to see how that works out. Well, it's interesting too, just with Japan is that they, just with the time that you live there is that with just within their culture, they have so much ingrained just with being res- being respectful to their elders yes. and, and honoring the elders, which even with them not necessarily being a Christian nation, you see the law of God written on the heart with the concepts of honor your father and mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's really t- uh, there's a really cool a documentary that just got put up on um, uh, Netflix. It's real. I love Netflix documentaries. It's just great. You just watch them all day. Uh, the, it's it's. Oh, let me think of the name. You should be able to find it in like the new documentaries that were uploaded. Um, it is like Saki, and it's it's about this uh, Saki. Um, Habusaki? Uh, it's, it's about a place that makes sake in the traditional, like, kind of old way. And I, I was, I, I even told Candy, I was like, you gotta watch this documentary. Like, I just kind of clicked on it to see kind of what was it all about. And the cinematography is amazing. But then uh, the story is amazing. There's almost no talking in it. Like, for the first, like, if I remember correctly, like, mm. half an hour is like almost no talking. It's just basically documenting this this um, place, what do you call it, distillery? I, yeah, I guess maybe I guess, yeah. call that uh, distillery that makes sake the traditional way. And these guys, they basically have to dedicate six six months of their lives to making this sake. It's like around the clock. And the whole thing is like, once you start making sake, you can't stop the process. You can't walk away from it. You can't um, disrupt it in any way because I guess it's so precise. Mm. And it's just fantastic to watch how they make this, how they make this huge vat of rice and how they put it all together and like it's 24 hours a day and they're super like the Japanese are very precise mm. like they're very super clean and very yeah. there's a lot of precision involved and so like they want to perfect everything I actually really love that about the culture is they want to perfect everything they put their hands to and there's a really interesting part of the documentary where they were um, they finished like their batch of sake and then they had a party where they drank the sake that mm. they just made and so they drank a bunch of sake and like one of the guys uh, that was part of that team that makes it died. He had a heart attack like that night while they oh were like gosh. drinking sake. He had a heart attack, and the next day they have to continue making the sake. They can't go to his funeral. They can't even be bothered by the fact that he died because oh they don't gosh. want to disrupt the process of the sake. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting to see like these guys don't see their families for six months. Oh, um, they like they they completely literally abandon their life to like dedicate themselves to like 24 hours a day working on the sake. It's a really good documentary. I highly recommend it on Netflix. Go check it out. But um, that guy must have had the habu sake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's actually one other documentary too on uh, maybe on Netflix, but it's called Mito Dreams of Sushi, and it's amazing. It's about this guy, and he's in his 80s or 90s. And his number one thing is that he does people. There's a waiting. There's a year waiting list at some airport that's in Japan. And it's just about him and his like process as far as like how he goes about making sushi. So if you ever wanted to see a documentary about someone who's just like passionate about like their craft, it's just it's incredible to watch. My favorite. You guys can jump in here. What are your favorites right now? My favorite right now. It, because it it made me so hungry the whole time was a documentary about the best steak in the world. I think I told you about yeah, it. Yeah, the Kobe. Uh, you really got to watch it. Basically, this guy goes like around what the world. What a ridiculous waste of time. No, no, no. It's amazing. It oh, is I got absolutely you, astonishing. So this guy goes around the entire world to find each place's best representative steak. But it doesn't start at the table. It starts with the cows. 
And so um, it's just really fantastic. Like the best one in the world, apparently, I think is like in Spain. And this guy has his cows that are like 15 years old. And he like, it's just crazy how they treat these cows. Like they take it so seriously. Like I'll give you an example, like Japan, the Kobe beef, Mm -hmm. like um, they play Beethoven music to them 24 hours a day. They massage them with sake and, uh, and, and like the day. They drink beer. Yeah. Like the day that they're going to actually do the slaughtering, they, they treat them like super special. Like they keep them as calm as possible. Like they take it so seriously. Anyway, so I watched this documentary and I was hungry the whole time. Vegetarians are probably like, eh, I wouldn't be hungry. That. But it was, it, you still probably be fascinated by it. Cause they don't, I don't think they show any of the slaughtering. Yeah, it's good stewardship. stewardship. They treat their yeah. animals really, really well. This this might be a good opportunity to play that song, to play that video. Which one? The vegetarian video. Oh, that's perfect. What a good segue. That's okay. awesome. So can um, you can you quickly tell me what my theme song was going to be? Oh, I couldn't find it. It's the one Stephen Levi song where it's like joy, joy. <laughs> oh, I remember that song. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was just curious. So uh, maybe some of you guys I'll have seen this dude. He is hilarious. He's the guy with the long hair. He wears like a bandana and he's super soft spoken and he's always cracking on crunchy people. Crunchy people being like people who are into essential oils. And he the video, the best video that he I think he has, if you got you got to see this, is the gluten free. I like that one. That's oh, my favorite. That. Oh, that's the best one he's done. It's like he busts on people who are about with the gluten free oh, diet. Gotta find that. You got to find it. It's really good. So this is the meat one. He yeah. plays like a meat eater. Oh, it, it, Meat eaters acted like vegans. This is amazing. Yeah. This is for you, Marcus, and okay. your, your grumpy vegetarianism over there. <laughs> you know, I've completely lost my appetite. He's eating a salad, and he was eating a steak. How long have you been a meat eater for? I only eat meat. I'm going to the Meat Stock Flesh Festival. Are you going? Yeah, I want the tofu spring rolls. Except I don't eat tofu, so do you have like a tofu-flavored chicken you can substitute in for me? It's not that vegetable eaters are bad people, it's just that they're terrible people. This sausage is a meat-based vegetable substitute for cucumber. It's got the taste and the texture of an actual cucumber. Oh, that's none of a cucumber. That's so Eating plants makes your body way too alkaline, which will definitely kill you. Do you really want that? All you need is some meat to be healthy and thrive. You get everything you need from meat. Beef is loaded with carbs. Orcas are even more spiritually evolved than humans, and they only eat seal meat. So that means humans should only eat meat because it's the most spiritually evolved diet because of orcas. Plants give off oxygen. Why would you eat them? Do you even know how dangerous deer are when you're driving your car? If you don't kill and eat deer first, you basically want people to get into the car accidents. The world's a much safer place if we eat the animals that could eat us. Broccoli? That's what my food eats. That's my food's food. He's, I don't appreciate just so you know in the that. video, he's you literally just holding raw meat. Yeah. Extinct. It makes it so that they can live on through you and your children for generations to come. The best chance for the survival of their species is for us to kill and eat them. <laughs> that coconut was going to grow into a palm tree. Why would you eat that? <laughs> I could never eat plants that are raised in crowded farms in inhumane living conditions with less than one square inch of space per stalk stuck in the soil against their will. Have you ever thought about going meat eater to help save the planet? Or do you just not care about the earth? Have you seen the Kale Spiracy documentary? You gotta see it. It's so heartbreaking seeing how all the plants are killed and the deforestation from the plant farming and unsustainable farming practices. Kale farming is the number one destroyer of the environment. 
once you see it, you'll never eat plants again. As he redundantly repeated his emotionally charged nutritional opinions at me, I was instantly convinced to become a meat eater. JP was the most illogical, condescending person I've ever met. Saying something like that's just a symptom of being overly alkaline. It just makes you mean and you can't think straight. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can be a less terrible person, be sure to subscribe to my carnivorous channel. <laughs> that's awesome. And oh fantastic. That, that really shows you how ridiculous meat eaters are. You know what I you know yeah, what I, I don't think actually that's what, what it's I showing actually. It yeah. Yeah. That's, that's oh. what I <laughs> haughtiness of your vegetarian haughtiness actually you know what i love about marcus and uh joy with their vegetarianism is there is there not actually uh like hit you over the head you know they're just really gracious and just kind of like well you can that's fine whatever only on the show yeah i have i have to be honest i have found it sometimes just amusing marcus that you do sort of bring in sometimes like the vegan taco bell for breakfast it's like oh this is i don't know if you're like this is healthy it's or not, it's not it's vegan not no it's just it's like, it's like without no, meat. I, i'm the worst vegetarian on the planet yeah just like french fries that counts <laughs> could you, like, could you actually marcus is more like a carbitarian yeah, a carbitarian. <laughs> like, I don't know. Could you actually go vegan with the entirety of the menu on Taco Bell? Is well, that possible? I mean, probably yeah, not. Yes, I mean, you can. Yes, you, you could can. just eat bean burritos all the time no, with no cheese. You can. You can ask them like anything on the menu. They can substitute beef for beans, and like they actually have a button for it. Wow, you really but thought then that you was just true. Have to and you can go to McDonald's. Cheese. You can do, go to McDonald's and you can get a Big Mac with no meat. Well, but but then awesome. what about but to, for it to be vegan, you'd also have to have no cheese, and that would just be yeah but, a Big Mac with no meat or cheese or sauce. But hey, vegan is stupid. You know what I? <laughs> okay. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I found out the other day? This is kind of cool. You guys want to try this? I would be vegan, but I just I, I wouldn't eat anything but le leaves. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't cook well enough to be a vegan. In and out. Uh, in and out's pretty much everywhere now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like a time. I remember I was in California. They're not I everywhere. Think it's, I mean, it was a strictly Cali thing. No, they're West Coast only. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think they have a money. Well, like, yeah, like in ninety. I remember like ninety six or ninety seven. I went to California to do a to do a show with somebody, and he was just being a, a real jerk to me. Every time he passed in and out, I was like, Can "You stop there real fast. I want to try it." And he wouldn't ever stop there. So I was like, you know, always wanted in and out Now they're here all over. But if you do have an in and out near you, you got to try this. If you can ask for your fries well done. Did you know that? No. You can ask for them well done. That's really crazy. That's yeah. what I love about in and out It's like you do everything like, you know, to your liking, well, your style. It's all fresh made. Yeah, fresh made. Yeah, I like in and out It's good stuff. So what are they, extra crispy? So, yeah, yeah, they're extra crispy. They're just really good. They're like, I think that they're better than McDonald's fries when you get them um, well done they're at in and out their milkshakes are amazing, and it's it's always a struggle night whenever like I go get it on the go because I have this weird habit whenever I eat or drink something that's delicious is I roll my eyes into the back of my forehead. Also, so, I'm just gonna mention right now that Jerry is uh, lactose intolerant, and he's talking about milkshakes. Oh. <laughs> are you really? <laughs> with in and out milkshakes, I don't think I am. <laughs> Mm. I'm like selective. I, I'm, I have selective lactose intolerance. It's like, peop it's like people who are gluten free. <laughs> I don't know. In and out when, milkshakes, when no one's I looking, they're no longer gluten free. <laughs> Might be like a psychological self-induced or whatever. I don't know. But with that particular instant, but it's always a struggle because like I, as soon as I get it and I start drinking it, I can't stop. And so I'm, I'll be like driving and I'm I'm trying to stay focused on the road, but my eyes are wanting to roll into the back of my head, but I can't. 
And oh so I'm gosh. already. This is amazing. This I'm, is amazing. I'm driving never to ride in the car with you after you. No. Gotten a milkshake. The person you never want to ride in the car with is Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, I know. That's for sure. Or behind or in front of. Never ride with Marcus near him Not in the, the vicinity of Marcus. <laughs> ever. Ever. Don't do it. Trust me. So, speaking of weird driving in Japan, if I can bring okay. back, back to, to Japan. Japan. Yes. So they do everything. If they drive on the wrong side of the road, the wrong side of the car. There were several times, like the first couple of days, I I was like, ah, we're gonna die, like, because there's like cars coming at you that shouldn't be, and it was just, it was yep. bizarre. I told Dennis, I was Switched like, Switch is probably the way they'd prefer you to say it, no, it's as wrong. opposed to wrong. <laughs> no, they're wrong. Yeah, they are incorrect. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you're when you're doing it for a while, you're like, this doesn't even make sense the way that it just feels wrong. Like, anyways. Uh, <laughs> What I do you told think about Dennis, it real fast? We made the we we invented the vehicle. Yeah. So like it's because of the, the Britain influence. Oh, because Brit- in England they're on opposite uh, side too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, they're wrong too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but was that like an act of defiance? Probably. We invented it. Yeah. We invented it. We put it on that yeah. side of the car, and they were like, "No, we're gonna do the other side." Yeah, we're not gonna. They do had anything to actually like be aware of it and go, "We're gonna switch the the way the wheel goes." Why? Yeah. We, we made just it. did. We just make that into a historical fact, though. We just did. <laughs> we just did. You were like, "No, I'm pretty sure." I had no idea even about it. Somebody I had to make right the decision. That I asked if if. England was on the other side of the road, and then I was like, they did this. Well, I know all about this. It's an act of this. defiance, because when we <laughs> sent the car over, we were like, take a look. Look what you can have. They were like, could you switch that wheel? Which side of the road do you drive on? We were going to go to the other. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, drive on those roads there if, unless I lived there for, like, five years. It's, like, that confusing. Like, you don't know what any of the signs do they, say. Do they still have the thing in the roads in Japan when you were there? Did you see where they have the uh, din- the, the Binjo ditches on the side of the road where the it's open sewer that flows to the street? Uh, not where I was You in. didn't see that? No. They might. They probably do, maybe in some of the... It's like, because Fukuoka is a really big city, so... Yeah, when I lived in Japan, right outside my... We lived off base, and um, right outside my door... As soon as you turn right, I remember there was an open benjo ditch all the way down the road. Like these these big narrow there's narrow ditches on the side of the road where stuff just flows through and you just see it like flow nah, down the street. Not where I was at. Yeah. So uh ew. What, <laughs> Yeah, ew is right. <laughs> ew is right. The one thing, like going over there, you know I can speak for myself, I can't speak everybody everybody, but like it seems like we have I had this like perception of how Japanese people are like the America this is how Japanese people are they're very prideful and rude and mean and jerks and you know all Mm -hmm. this stuff and you know I've seen all the World War 2 videos movies right where like all those guys were just mean and so that's kind of how like the perception I I had of Japanese people going over there but like as soon as I got on Japanese airlines from San Diego like they're like the most like uh, amazing people they're like they they're very eager to serve you and very kind and and very loving and like mm. even like the stewardesses were like playing with my kids and like giving them treats and toys and they like mm. let let me take them to the back of the plane and literally they're rolling around it's a 12 hour flight they're literally rolling on the ground and they're like laughing and coming and playing with them and stuff and I was like this is bizarre so like you get there and like they like you know like the taxi drivers won't even let you you know lift your own suitcases that's just how they are like mm-hmm. And I was like, so that was one big thing I, I I noticed right away. I was like, man, we just have been totally brainwashed as the, to the rest of the world, right? So uh, that was kind of eye-opening for me. But then, like, we took, I, I mentioned we went to Hiroshima. And uh, I told Jeff one time, well, this, this might upset some people. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a really terrible move on our part. 
Hiroshima, like yes, you know, growing growing up, <laughs> you know, like growing up in public schools, right? You're like, yeah, a bomb, we a bomb them guys, yeah, mm, yeah, they deserved it. And like you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck were we thinking? You know, so they like Hiroshima, like there was this the bridge they targeted, and there was like a ton of kids there because the Japanese were taking their kids and making them start to work for the government during World War II. So he specifically targeted this area, knowing there was a lot of kids there. And they actually detonated the bomb 600 feet in the air, I think, so that it would have a greater destruction zone. Mm. Wow. And, like, so just seeing, like, the what was left and, like, some of the aftermath. And, and two bombings uh, ended in 129,000 yeah. people dead. That is a lot of people. Yeah. 129,000. And, and they're innocent people, you know, yeah. that's, you know, so... I told Dennis I was non-combatants. Like, yeah, I hmm. said I said no wonder we're under God's judgment in this nation. Well, that's like when I was working on the Kauai documentary, and I was studying the uh, the history of Kauai, and you have like the the, the Queen of Hawaii, Queen Lala. I, I will just call her Queen Lala. I don't know how to say <laughs> her last name, but uh, but but she was actually imprisoned by the United States government under house arrest. Mm. And uh, while she was in prison, she was a, she was a Christian before the United States stole the land, and 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 while she was in prison by the United States, she wrote a song called the Queen's Prayer, where she begs God for the forgiveness of her enemies, talking about us, because mm. we we actually went and we just took the land from those people, mm. and so that's why. There's a lot of hostility hostility in Hawaii against America now because yeah. they feel like their land was stolen, which it was. So. Yeah, it was. It was certainly certainly stolen. You actually speaking of on on our YouTube channel soon, Apologia Studios, you're gonna get to see the twenty minute little mini documentary. Uh, we're documenting all of our stuff and steps forward to planting Apologia in on the island of Kauai. And so uh, Marcus actually finished the first phase of that little mini documentary series um it's going to be up about 20 minutes it's fantastic marcus did just a wonderful 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 job and so i can't wait for you guys to see that uh it's gonna be exciting for you guys to get to follow along and see uh what god does um in us bringing apologia to the island of Kauai. it's fantastic it was really really Mm -hmm. powerful actually and uh, i don't know it's something about Kauai. Uh, us getting there from, by, from our perspective was completely by accident, but just in the providence of God, it just fits our community and our church and the way that we think so well. And it's really cool to know the history of Kauai when the missionaries went uh, to the island of to the Hawaiian islands. Actually, uh, the Hawaiian kingdom was essentially uh, Christian. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic to see even that in their laws they actually state that um, no law of the Hawaiian kingdom can be at variance with the laws of Jehovah God. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. But so much has changed because yeah. uh, it seems like the Christian church um, sort of disengaged from the Hawaiian culture, and uh, it's not as though because the Christian church disengaged that nothing happened. Now the cults came in. Uh, liberal ideologies have crept in, and so the islands have changed um, just in really, really a, a short period of time. If you take... Um, the perspective of looking at all of history. I mean, it was a really short period of time that that uh, witness uh, really went away. And Kauai is really unique because Kauai um, is dominated by the cults in the New Age. And um, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, when we uh, went to Kauai, we obviously were like, well, who can we link up with? And so we linked up immediately with the only Reformed church that we could find on the entire island. And we looked a lot. And uh, we found one 
um, actually visible, we should say visible uh, Reformed Church. We did find an underground yeah, we did. Uh, Reformed Baptist right. Church. By accident, we found uh, But uh, the one visible Reformed Church on the island of Kauai is now gone. Is it officially gone? Officially gone. So we were there in January and we worshipped with them and um, and now it's now it's gone and so we're excited to get there. Dang mm. it, we're excited to get mm. there and to get started. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's do uh, before we go to our break. Let's do the glory line, Marcus. Real fast, let's remind everybody. We, we should probably go to break now. Oh, okay. How long yeah. are we going for? Twenty-seven minutes. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back with the glory line, Marcus. Where can people go to uh, send us a message on the glory line? I'll get that number when we get back. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Apology already. Don't forget, guys. The ReformCon is coming soon, June 1st through 4th here in Tempe, Arizona. ReformCon.org is where you go to buy the tickets. We're going to tell you in a minute uh, about our live stream of the event. And you guys can, Woo-hoo. of course, if you can't make it out, you guys can live stream it. ReformCon.org is where you guys go. And we will be right back. Apology Radio. Hi. It's Calvinist Batman. Have you heard of my podcast? I invite a different guest on each week, some who are well-known and others who have secret identities of their own. Each show, we talk about theology, current events, and have some fun, mostly at my guest's expense. So listen to Calvinist Batman and Friends, available on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the podcast you need and the one you deserve. Because I'm Batman. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house. Not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Welcome back, guys. Hey, you know what you should do? You should go... Over to our favorite t-shirt company, missionalwear.com. They have some fantastic t-shirts you guys can get with some uh, classic statements <laughs> from Heroes of the Faith. You can also um, go and get some t-shirts with some Heroes of the Faith. You can get uh, you can get uh, a Greg Bonson shirt. You can get like a Whitfield shirt. You can get a Calvin shirt, a Luther shirt. They really need to get like some modern dudes. Like, wouldn't that be weird on, though? On there, just like if I was rocking a shirt of you, that would be kind of weird. That would be strange. That would be weird. I don't know if that would be. But they they do. They have great quality shirts. They have some really cool shirts. Would and you so, rock, would you rock a Piper shirt? I. Uh, there's something about them being dead that yeah, makes it okay to wear. You make sure like, they don't like, like the possibility. They can't, right, they can't well, do Piper like, actually said heretical that. things yeah. anymore. Yeah, Piper actually said that. He says, beware of living heroes. They're not done yet. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right, actually right. really good. Okay, right, good. So, so Piper wouldn't kind approve. Of Piper wouldn't approve of a Piper shirt. Yeah. Okay. But you can do quotes of living people. That's true. That's good. So like the so what shirt that we have is yes. a quote of you kind of. 
Yeah. So, but the, the, the thing is, like, it's the it's the truth behind the statement that matters more so than the person uh, right. who's saying it. So that's good. Okay. Right. Yeah. So missionaware.com is where you guys go pick up a what, shirt. What's your shirt say? What does it say? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That, that's from the really Westminster Confession. That's from the Baptist Confession the of Faith. Confession. That's from the Baptist Confession of Faith. That's right. That's in our catechism. I stole it. What is man's? It, yeah, probably. <laughs> what is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. One of my favorite things. Yeah. In the world. Okay. So you can go um, to missionaware.com and if you use the code Apologia at the checkout, you get a sticker. What? An Apologia awesome. sticker. An Apologia sticker. That's sweet. It's well, awesome. um, speaking of Apologia, uh, you can contact Apologia's Glory Line by doing what? 909-65-GLORY. 909-65-GLORY. That's where you guys go, and you guys can drop us a message, and some of you guys did. So we're going to play some right now for you guys. Here's our Glory Line. Hey, uh, Jeff and gang. This is Jeff Lenormand over in Modesto, California. Uh, what would you say to an apologist, a Mormon apologist or a defender who points to the fact that in the beginning, in the intro to the Book of Mormon, there's a testimony about 12, I believe, people who signed a piece of paper saying that they actually saw, they were eyewitnesses to the golden plates. All right, so uh, the first thing I would do is I'd recommend um, everybody who wants to get involved in communicating with Mormons and you want to witness to Mormons, it'd be good to know what they believe, this important stuff. And so a lot of times people will say, I'll just say this as an, as an intro, a lot of times people will say, well, like, I don't want to invest myself into, you know, reading the Book of Mormon. It's false. It's not from God. I don't want to you know, waste any time. I'd rather read the Bible. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, you can't really expect a Mormon to have a lot of respect for you if you don't understand their position and their worldview. If they ask you, like, have you read the Book of Mormon and you say, no, I don't read that nonsense or something like that, they're not going to, they immediately <laughs> shut down. They're not going to listen to you. They don't take you seriously. It's like, you know, think about it, it to be fair. If you were evangelizing, say, an atheist and he's constantly misrepresenting you and, and he's never read something a Christian has said to defend his faith or something like that, you know, you you probably would say like, well, you're not showing a lot of respect for me and my position because you don't really show that you really love truth, you're committed to it, and you really you really even care what I believe or what I say about the world. And so, just try to think about it in terms of like how you want to be treated. Okay, <laughs> treat others the way you want to be treated. Right. So, um, I would say first and foremost, be good to investigate the history of the Book of Mormon, uh, its origins. And so, what I would do is point you to two really fantastic works. First is one by Fawn Brody. It's called No Man Knows My. My history. No man knows my history. Fawn Brody. It's fantastic. It is really, really um, a uh, a good book. It's entertaining. You will enjoy yourself while you read it. It is very, very full. And um, she doesn't leave a stone unturned. It's just a really good work. So I'd encourage you guys to learn the history of Mormonism, history of Joseph Smith, where he came from, his claims, his family, um, the uh, circumstances surrounding him at the time. Uh, so I would definitely get No Man Is My History by Fawn Brody uh, to learn a lot about this, this stuff, this, this specific question. But I'll also encourage you guys to get a book called One Nation Under Gods by Richard Abanes. It, um, it reads like a work of fiction in terms terms of like really exciting history and uh, it's just really well done but he also compares Mormon teaching and claims with scripture throughout that book actually um, really interesting about the the book One Nation Under Gods 
Uh, Michael Shermer is the head of, uh, I think it's called Skeptic Magazine. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Shermer wrote the plug for the book, and he loved One Nation Under God's History of the Mormon Church. And so I encourage you guys to get that. Okay, so um, it's not 12 witnesses. It's actually three and eight. So it's split into three witnesses and eight witnesses. And I would I would encourage any Mormon who listens to this show um, any Christian who wants to know the history here to dig into the history because it's really fascinating uh, surrounding the three witnesses and the eight I would say this that most of the witnesses were actually related in some way to Smith and I would say that it really is compelling to me that the Mormon church still includes the testimony of the quote unquote eyewitnesses to the golden plates because the history anybody can get access to and the witnesses themselves abandoning the church itself denying their earlier statements and i would say even um uh uh, being excommunicated from the church and so just as an overview of say the three witnesses um they were related by blood most of the witnesses related by blood uh there is something to the questionable character of the eyewitnesses themselves. It's a good study to look at the character of the quote-unquote eyewitnesses. Joseph Smith said in December 16, 1838, that such characters as McClellan, John Whitmer, David Whitmer, Oliver Cowdery, and Martin Harris are too mean to mention, and that we had liked to have forgotten them. History of the Church, Volume wow. 3, page 232. Uh, another statement by President and Prophet of the Mormon Church, Brigham Young. He said that some of the witnesses of the Book of Mormon who handled the plates and conversed with the angels of God were afterwards, quote, left to doubt and to disbelieve that they had ever seen an angel. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 164, 1859, President, Prophet, Brigham Young. Um, there's another thing here. Now, by the way, I'm reading this from uh, Bible.ca, just in terms of the history here. Uh, all three witnesses were eventually excommunicated from the Mormon Church, uh, and two of the three witnesses who were excommunicated from the Mormon Church later returned to the church after denying their testimony. Interesting. Imagine if any one of the apostles denied their witness that Jesus rose from the dead, were kicked out of the early church, then returned again. Their testimony would be of no value. Remember that all three denied the Mormon faith at one point and, ne- and one never came back to the Mormon church going to his grave denying his testimony, yet Mormons still use his testimony for the Book of Mormon. In fact, David Whitmer never returned to the LDS church that he, had, he was a witness to, uh, but joined splinter groups that denied the original LDS church he was a first member of. So I, I, that's, you know, there's a lot that can be studied in terms of the early witnesses, the three and then the eight. So 11 total, quote-unquote, witnesses. Um, But what I would also point to is the fact that Joseph Smith proved that he was a liar, that he was willing to deceive the Mormon people. He did it. It's on record. It's undeniable. Now, the, the way to go about doing this, obviously, this isn't the foundation. First and foremost, we got to use the Bible as our standard in terms of how we come into collision with Mormon doctrine. And so it's Scripture. That's the reference point. We show how Mormons, through what they say about God, deny what the Scriptures say about God. Mormons, what they say about the Gospel, deny what the Scriptures say about the Gospel. Those are the fundamental things. However, this is important. 
Joseph Smith not only ripped from the Bible, plagiarized from a 1611 English translation of the Bible, quotes copiously yeah. from the 1611 King James Bible. Um, and, you know, and, and um, another thing too, open up your Book of Mormon and just see the the man's lack of creativity. Not yeah. only did he borrow from common folklore in his day to create his story, but I, I challenge you to open your Book of Mormon and not find repeated on every page you turn to. And it came to pass. 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 Over and over and over. The man lacked creativity. He was actually known in his family for being a fantastic storyteller. Yeah. When I mean fantastic, I'm not saying good stories. I'm saying fantastic in the sense that he was able to create the cost, the, 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 the clothing, the customs, as he sat and spun these tales to entertain his family every night. So I guess for the Smith family early on, it wasn't television and dim internets. It was Joseph Smith standing before the family in the living room spinning these yarns, these tales, creative tales. And so, uh, anyway, so the Book of Mormon itself, Joseph Smith said that he translated from Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics, that the Book of Mormon, the um, uh, supposedly revered scriptures of Hebrew people was written in the language of their enemies for some odd reason, Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. Another thing is that Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics is uh, not a language. Uh, no such language right. exists in the history of the world. Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics doesn't exist. Um, another is, thing... Is that what John Calvin used in Egypt? Yeah, right. John Calvin in Egypt. Uh, that kind of, yeah, anachronism. Uh, so... Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. All right. So, not only is the language... Um, non-existent reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics but 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 Joseph Smith demonstrated that he lied to the Mormon people and to the world as a matter of fact about his ability to translate dead languages by the gift and power of God and here's how he did it proved it it is irrefutable in 1835 Michael Chandler was coming through Ohio he had an Egyptian exhibit that he was um, asked to sell by some businessmen and so he went through Ohio. He had in this Egyptian, all these, uh, sorry, in this exhibit, all these Egyptian artifacts. And some of these artifacts were actually um, Egyptian um, papyrus. They were scrolls with some Egyptian writing on them and some pictures. And at the time that these came through Ohio, Egyptian was essentially a dead language in the U.S. Uh, the results from the Rosetta Stone had not made it over to the United States at the time. And so, Egyptians a dead language, those scrolls could have said anything. And so, when the Latter-day Saints went to see this exhibit, they actually saw these scrolls and they said, oh, our prophet has the gift of a seer and the gift of the power of God. He translated from the Golden Plates, the Book of Mormon, and he can translate these. And so, Joseph Smith went... And he began to, quote-unquote, translate the scrolls in front of Chandler. And so the Mormon community actually 
came together with a large sum of money, a large sum of money, to buy the exhibits. And so Joseph Smith began his quote-unquote translation process. He had an Egyptian alphabet and grammar that he made from it. He wrote down in his, his diaries and journals, he says, uh, today I you know, did some of the translation, quote-unquote translation. So he said that what they had in front of them was the Pearl of Great Price. It was the Book of Abraham, the Book of Joseph. It was from his own hand, Abraham's own hand, and he began the translation. And that's what you have today in your Mormon quad, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, the Bible, and the Pearl of Great Price. Now, he never finished the work. He prophesied that nobody would be able to end his life until he had finished his work, but he was murdered in Carthage, so false prophecy. However, um, he didn't finish the work, but he did some of the translation. So, here's what's up. He translated quote-unquote translated from the book of Abraham into English. So you got the Pearl of Great Price produced, but here's the deal. The scrolls from which he translated disappeared and people thought, most people thought, that they were destroyed in the Chicago fire. And here's the thing. Over time, people saw the Pearl of Great Price and the picture in it and they said, well, that picture's familiar, but it's not actually accurate. The picture is off. That's a common a uh, picture from a, a book or a, a work known as the Book of the Dead or the Book of Breathings. It's an Egyptian pagan funerary text. And so they had thought that the scroll was gone, that it vanished from history. We'd never really know. So Mormon apologists, when challenged, when people saw the Pearl of Great Price and the picture that was there, they would say, hey, I recognize that picture. That's kind of common in, in pagan funerary texts. Mormon apologists say, well, you don't know what he had and there's no way to verify it. And so we don't really know. Well, in the 1960s, in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, um, the scroll turned up through the providence of God. Somebody accidentally saw it and had a Mormon neighbor who had that Pearl of Great Price, and he recognized just from that. And so basically these documents were given back to the church in the 1960s. The church was ecstatic. They were so excited because what they were saying was, we're vindicated. We're going to prove to the world that Joseph Smith was able to translate dead languages because here is the scroll he translated from. We've got the Pearl of Great Price. We can prove that before people could translate Egyptian, Joseph Smith had the gift to do it. If he could do it with the Pearl of Great Price, he could do it with the Book of Mormon. So they sanctioned some men to do the translation. And about a year later, these men came back to the church and they said, Houston, we have, we a, have problem. a problem. And they were LDS too. Yeah, Latter-day Saints were commissioned to do so. And they said, we have a problem. There isn't a single word in this Pearl of Great Price that is consistent with the scroll. Joseph Smith literally would write a paragraph off of one word. So here's the here's the symbol. Here's a paragraph. Pearl of Great Price. And in the Pearl of Great Price, you can see the progression of Joseph Smith's theology. Because Joseph Smith had a background um, in Christian denominations. In the area that he lived in, he was surrounded by Presbyterians. He was surrounded by Congregationalists and Baptists. They were all around him, and so he understood these things. So in the Book of Mormon, you can even see marks of monotheism in the Book of Mormon, saying Mm -hmm. there's only one God. But by the time Joseph Smith dies and produces the Pearl of Great Price, you now have the shift in his theology where he goes from essentially monotheistic to polytheism and in the book Pearl of Great Price it says the, in the beginning the gods created well what do we know from the Pearl of Great Price Joseph Smith lied 
about his ability to translate dead languages. And if he proved it with a pearly great price, you know that he couldn't do it with the Book of Mormon. Not only did the witnesses fall apart to the in their testimony of, of seeing the Book of Mormon, but you also have Joseph Smith himself demonstrating that he, in fact, was a false prophet, a false teacher, and he could not translate dead languages. I would that was go, a really long I would answer. go there. I would go there. That's what could I would you, do. Could you, wait, 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 wait. Could you have just said... I, and I'm 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 being serious when I say this. Yeah. Uh, couldn't you have just said obviously the guys who transcribe who witnessed the transcriptions uh, were liars because what was transcribed denied justification by faith. Yep. So that's I mean, why wouldn't that be a that's why I said at the beginning um, my my first starting point was you need to compare what Mormonism says about the gospel yeah. with the scriptures. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I, I guess I'm kind of getting at that. Like, that's the main theme. Whatever these men saw, it's what they produced that actually cons- conflicts with God's right, word. Right, so in okay, the end, that's okay. all that matters. Right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, honestly, if you had 30 seconds with a Mormon, that's probably what I would say. <laughs> I would, yeah, well, okay, no, no, you, no, you deny the gospel. That's a, it's a fantastic point. I'm saying it's very Mormon. It's very good. If I was new to, like, a Mormon apologetics, I would just be overwhelmed with all that information. Yeah. That's one of the reasons we have the show is so we can fill up yeah. people's <laughs> yeah. minds with yeah. lots of content. No, it's good. It's good. Just, ain't got time for more money. Ain't got time for that. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tim Smith, all access member here. Heard you guys on the Reform Pubcast. Great stuff. Um, just had a thought. Saw a article the other day on um, some protesters who were protesting fur by taking their clothes off. And I thought that was amazing because it just clicked all in my head all at once. These ladies decided they would throw off Christ's dominion by throwing off all of their clothing and running around naked. So anyways, just a thought. Love you guys. Thanks. First of all, you have a fantastic radio voice. I know. Yeah, I that's nice. exactly very, what I thought. Very, very good. Very mm-hmm. energetic. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for calling with that much energy and uh, being so um, clear and enunciating. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, yeah, interesting thought. Good point. Yeah, interesting thought. Um, I'm at, you know what's interesting is that I saw something come across my feed not too long ago on YouTube, and it was... Um, it was sh- it was showing a feminist protest where they had taken their their shirts off. I just couldn't believe it was right there. Like it was like in what's trending um, videos right there on YouTube, mm. and they didn't they didn't like actually blur anything out. It was right there in the video description. Oh it was like, whoa, wait a second, wait but a tick. But if you put something up about abortion, they will suppress. They will shut you down. Yeah, we had some of our videos suppressed uh, by uh, YouTube and probably Facebook. Um, regarding end abortion now. So here we go. Hey, y'all. Uh, my name is Seth Dooley. It's from Richmond, Virginia. I travel around on the weekends with my job, so I'm not able to be at a church weekly. I do have a group of men that I fellowship with during the week. But I just want to know if there is danger in your spiritual walk if you are not uh, connected at a church weekly um, and if uh, it can cause issues in my faith. Thank you, guys. I appreciate everything you're doing. Your radio broadcast is awesome. And uh, uh, glory be to God in the highest. Thank you all. All right. Thank you for the phone call. That was a good question. And thanks for the blessing as well. Um, well, let me, uh, before I answer, you guys, you guys answer. Okay. You answer the question first. I would first. just say yes. Marcus is all about, the short. about the short answers. The answer is yes. <laughs> I think any of our answers are going to be short compared to Jeff's answer. That's okay. true. 
<laughs> hey, this, is the, this is the teaching arm of Apology of Church. Has to be teaching. Hi, hi, hi. hi. There, that's my answer. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say it's not a good thing. I mean, obviously, there's going to be, you know, situations where it might be impossible, but ideally, you definitely want to be plugged in and part of a of a local body and be held accountable. Um, well, so, Dennis has gone nine months of a well, year in Japan. And he has a really hard time finding yeah. a church there that, yeah, so he watches our sermons live. But he is plugged into church here. But at the same time, he's not in a weekly fellowship. Right, right. And it's really difficult for them. It's really sure. hard on their it's family. It's really hard on their it's family. It's really yeah, hard so. on their family, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can be providentially hindered. Yeah. Um, however, that is not God's ultimate command right. and will for you. And so providentially hindered at a point... But it doesn't mean that that's uh, what God's... You should be finding a way out, is what I'm saying. Right, yeah. And even in Dennis and Jada's case, while they're in Japan, while he's he's doing uh, his his career for the glory of God, they're still covenant members yeah. of Apologia Church. Yeah. And, um, and they don't want to be in that situation, but yeah. they're there. And I would say this, though. Even in their case, they not only are connected to us... Yeah. And we converse with them via Skype, and they're watching all the sermons. Technology, And man. praise God for it. Technology. They, they are connected with Christians in Japan. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they, Every week, they, yeah. Yeah, every week. So that's, that's a part of their, their life. Um, uh, Joy, you want to say something before I say anything about being a part of a church? I was just going to say mo- it mostly has to do with why you're not a part of a church. There could be, like you said, there's reasons why people can't make it. They work or whatever, you know, but... Just don't be a person that is, like, is keeping yourself from the body because the body has hurt you in some way in the past. Or, right. um, and I'm not saying just like get over whatever feelings you have and show, like, but you know, yeah, work to reconcile with the church if you yeah. perceive that you have an issue with the way that the body handles things, or I don't know, whatever right. it is. But just don't intentionally keep yourself out of the body. So that you can sin or so that you can be angry or right. whatever. Isn't moving always an option? Like Certainly. We, I mean, we kind of just undermine the importance of church sometimes. Yeah. We say, well, there's nothing in my area. Well, how important is church to you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, raising your, That's true. Raising your children in a, in a guy. You know, we get people that contact us. It's like, there's no church in my area and like... We're thinking about moving somewhere. Yeah, just be, because people have moved. Yeah, we have somebody, that, a family for, that actually just moved here from New Jersey, mm-hmm. just because it was a good church. Mm-hmm. Well, so, know, so I mean, maybe we should talk about why you're supposed to be in the body. Yeah, yeah, that's what like, I was, was, was going to do. Okay, yeah. So um, the fir- first thing is, is if somebody says, "Well, I was re-, like, like Joy just brought up," because this is a common thing. If somebody says, "Well, I was really hurt." by the church I was hurt by another Christian and so that's wounded me so now I just want it to be just me and Jesus all the way because I can't trust another Christian I would say well actually quickly just really quickly just to sort of like establish something what do we consider a body well oh okay okay there's a need to be like an established church that has the word church at the end of it uh, or like, what if you like meet with a group of believers but, uh, yeah, every week? This is a good question. Okay, that's a good question. Presbyterian, biblically, biblically functioning and governed body, and so operating under the authority of scriptures according to the biblical definitions of what makes a local church. So, a local church in scripture, 
um, is a collection of local believers who have repented of their sins, have believed in Jesus Christ, have been baptized, and they are under the authority of um, local elders. No, not self-appointed elders. Yeah, not yeah, certainly not. Yeah. And uh, they're under the authority of local elders. Uh, when you look in the New Testament, there's a pattern of laying on of hands. When you look in the New Testament, there's a, a pattern of godly doctrine and qualification for those local elders and leaders. And so I would say a local church, you can't, you can't, uh, is it true that when believers who get together, like at a Starbucks, they're, they're, uh, they're the church, of, of, of course, but is that the functioning worship of a local body and local church because you're believers in Christ at a, at a Starbucks? No, because I'll give you an example. Um, when you look at Hebrews chapter 13, here's just one example of many, of many that could be brought to bear on this situation. Hebrews chapter 13, it says in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. And so the question is, how could somebody obey that verse? How could you obey that verse without elders, pastors, people hmm. who are shepherding your soul? You can't. If you, if you actually divorce yourself from the body of Christ in this respect, there's no way to obey that verse. There's also another thing to be said about the fact that how, how do you read the New Testament? This is what I want to know. How do you, if you're separated from the local church, how do you read the New Testament and actually get to do what's stated in it? So love one another, right? Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. Um, and so when you see these statements in the New Testament, the New Testament letters, they're written like to local churches, mm -hmm. right? The, the, even addressing the leadership in the church. You have letters that talk about the one another's it's assumed you're part of the body of christ under leadership under authority under biblical authority it's just assumed and so how could you actually say that i'm growing in my faith as a christian if you're not part of the one another's how could you say i'm growing in my faith as a believer if you're not submitted to those who are in authority over you how could you say you're growing in your faith and protected and safe as a believer if you don't have anybody watching over your soul you know somebody might say i don't like that I don't like that I have to obey my leaders and submit to them. I, I don't like that. Well, I would say, first of all, repent of your pride. Hmm. And second of all, did you notice that in, in uh, Hebrews 13 there? Did you notice something? Um, what's the tough thing in that passage? Who's actually given the big responsibility in that passage? Is it the person that needs to submit to those who are in authority over them? Or is it the people who are called to shepherd them? Because it says this, they have to give an account. Mm-hmm. So watch this. For, for the pastor, it says, submit to those who are in authority over you, to your pastor. Watch. Then it says that the people who are actually shepherding you have to give an account. Do you realize how terrifying that is? So basically, you guys different. didn't get into this just to like further some Power. sort of like church monopoly right. or something like that. So if you, <laughs> yeah. if you think, which like I say that a little jokingly, but um, you know, I know, I know people that there seems to be this like underlying concern that that the church is sort of this like evil or whatever. Right. And to that person, I don't want to say like you're stupid, get over yourself, right. you know. But there is a there are pastors that out there that uh, are committed to biblical truth, and they do actually care about you. And I would recommend that you find someone that cares about you and a group of people that care about you, 
um, those are good. Those right. are good things. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know what it looks like for the pastor who has to stand before God and give an account for every person that he's cared for. I know that in Christ we have no condemnation. There is no wrath of God left for me as a pastor. I know that God loves me and that I'm justified and I have peace with God. But I also know that there is a point where I have to give an account to my Father in heaven. Mm. I, have to, I have to talk to Jesus or be talked to by him for how I've cared for God's people. And here's the thing. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know that James says, let not many of you be teachers for you will incur the stricter judgment. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like in terms of reward and lack of reward, but I know that it's very serious. And so when someone says, like, I don't like submitting to leaders, that really bothers me. I'd say, well, yeah, I think you're prideful and because you need help. You need encouragement. You need shepherding. God says that you do. And so I would say repent of your pride. But I want you to think about the fact that it is the pastors who bear the weight there. And, and it says that we give the account. We give the account for how we've cared for you. That's terrifying. Yeah. You know, what's funny is when I was talking to Dennis in Japan, he was saying how he's like, I could, I would never want that pressure. Like that we, that as on pastors, like I would never want that pressure and stuff. And I'm thinking this is the same guy who stands all alone on a mound in front of 40,000 people every night and if he makes one bad pitch everybody and their mother is going to be criticizing him you know and he's right. like I wouldn't want that pressure and yeah. it, was just, it was funny to me to hear that perspective yeah well another verse and it was, we can go all day with this but I'll give me another one it says do not and this is in the book of Hebrews do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as a manner of some um, yeah. and, and so that that's a command don't forsake the gathering the assembling of yourselves together worship Corporate worship together on the Lord's Day is should be the central part of our lives. It shouldn't be an afterthought in our lives. It should be the central part of our lives and our week. We should be being fed. We should be fellowshipping. We should get a chance to worship God together with His people. Here's the thing. If you don't like worship with God's people, if that just doesn't appeal to you, if you don't desire to be with God's people to worship, I would really tell you to look at your heart. I would really challenge you to examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Now, there are some people who are providentially hindered and if there's a difficulty in their lives finding a, a, a church that you know, maybe a solid church in their area. I would say pray through that, work through those details, of course. Um, but if you just don't want to go to church, you're just, you're just bothered by it and you say, all oh, those people are sinners, I'd say really look at your heart. And I would also say, as I was saying at the very beginning, I would really encourage you to think through this. If you've been wounded by somebody in the church, I would really point you to your Savior. And, and remind you of the fact that it is our Savior that we love and worship that knows what it's like to be in community with people and to get backstabbed by them. Mm. He knows what it's like to be in community with people and to be hurt by them and to be lied to, to be stolen from. I mean, here's the thing. If you say, oh, I don't want to go to church with God's people because people have hurt me and wounded me, there's hypocrites there. Hey, look at your Savior. How did he handle it? When he was backstabbed, lied to, stolen from, when people abandoned him and betrayed him, how did he respond to God? Did he respond to the Father angrily? Did he respond to the church who wounded him by stepping away from the church and saying, I've had enough of you? No, he called them to himself and he joins them together and he calls them to be together in the midst of their sin. Mm. And here's the thing. If Jesus saves sinners and not righteous people, then what do you think the group is going to look like the people who actually love and worship him, mm. if he saves sinners, it's a bunch of sinners coming to Jesus to be changed by him. Mm. And so here's the thing. 
The Holy Spirit of God works to sanctify the Christ of bride within the context of the church. So that's where the Holy Spirit of God is at work in the bride, in the body, making that bride beautiful and lovely and in love with Jesus. And so if that's where the Spirit of God is at work, then you can't say, well, I'm over here off of my lonesome, independent from the body of Christ being sanctified by the Holy Spirit because I don't need her. And I don't need him. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. It's contrary to everything the scriptures say. And I'm going to encourage you guys to get hooked up with a solid, healthy, well-balanced church. And I will say this. Let me just go ahead and say something kind of controversial here. If I was providentially hindered in a place where there were no Reformed Baptist churches, okay? No Reformed Baptist churches, which is my particular persuasion, all right? But there was a solid Presbyterian church that was functioning biblically, teaching faithfully from the word of God. If you were to say to me, well, you're providentially hindered, Jeff, there's no Reformed Baptist church, what would you do? I would say, I would go to that Presbyterian church. Mm. Amen. Because they're preaching the gospel. They love the same Savior, the same God. They got the same scriptures. Our confession is nearly identical in places. So am I I not going to go to a, a, a Presbyterian church if I'm providentially hindered and not having a Reformed Baptist church? Of course I'm going to that Presbyterian church to worship. Our confession confessions are straight copyright infringed in some places. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people would be very mad about those two Today, confessions on it. Like, what in the world? You just stole that. Yeah. 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 So um, I here's the thing. Yeah, get to church, man. Find a solid, healthy, biblically based, well-grounded church where you have leaders that are submitted to the authority of the scriptures. Get involved. Get to corporate worship. Get into some accountability. Get into fellowship. Serve God together with those lovely people. All right, guys. So that's it. Take a quick commercial break here, guys. Apologiaradio.com is where you guys go to become part of All Access to get all the past episodes, to get John Sampson's last academy. And soon you'll be able to go to All Access, the academy, and you're going to get some banging teaching. Some banging teaching. New St. Andrews. New St. Andrews. Some stuff on the Trinity. out there in June. Trinity, worldview, apologetics. I got the uh, schedule. History. It is Can we say? Can we say? Yeah, can you you do it? Yeah, please do. Doug Wilson's going to be teaching on worldview. On worldview. Uh, uh, Mitch. Stokes. Mitch Stokes. That's right. He's going to be teaching on apologetics, and it's going to be awesome. Okay. And there's more. Oh, there's... There's about three or four more. we're, We're shooting... Eight hours a day for three days. Nice. Of just nonstop lectures for Apology Academy. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, Stay tuned, guys. We're back. We're going to talk to you guys about ReformCon and the live stream. Be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you are hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face what's up y'all this is jeff durbin with apologia radio at apologiaradio.com want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with 
Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to whitfield.edu, whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Back to Apologia Radio. This is the Bear. Jeff had to run an errand, so we're minus Jeff. Joy had to leave. She just left us for a coffee date. She left so, us. Oh, we've been given an increase. We've yes. lost. We've lost ten digits. No, <laughs> twenty digits, <laughs> and gained nine in the third. That's all you need. Honey Bridger, welcome back. I came in at the right time with the perfect song. Good. Kill Bill. Yeah. We're, we have a little Kill Bill theme today just because yes. I was talking about Japan. Were you all just were you just kind of making some baseball references too? Because you, you were doing a lot of baseball stuff over there or watching uh, baseball stuff. I don't know. You know? You said something about the ninth or something. <laughs> Sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry. Jerry, do you know anything about baseball? <laughs> yeah. The only thing you need to know is the Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, so uh, moving on. Um, so we're going to talk about... <laughs> Civil War, mm. not the Civil War of the United States. Oh, it's the same thing. Captain America Civil War. It is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. You know what? Like, you know it's think, the exact same fight. Do you know what would be an amazing segment to do? And I'm this is why I'm probably gonna spoil it by saying it is that imagine if we were able to get like Douglas Wilson to call in and tell him we had questions about the Civil War. And so he's like prepared, and we start asking him questions in context, like to the movie, and just kind of see that how it does. That would be really awesome. It'd be really awesome. And but, if he just sort of like went with it and see what we we're doing and played with it, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Sketch. But those are ideas you pitch off the air. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's too late now. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's done. I know. But it's a good idea. Yeah. So we all saw it, correct? Yes. Yes. So fantastic. I so, saw some of it. I slept through some of it. But what? did you see it twice? No. No. I don't have time to see a movie twice, man. What? what are you I thought you said you saw it twice. <laughs> no. Well, Gabe saw it three times. No, Civil War is a case-setting example that, because just a couple weeks prior to that, Batman v Superman came out, and I think it's prob- Batman v Superman is probably one of the worst comic book movies ever made, because it was just a colossal mess of a plot. No one really knew what was going on, and there's a lot of people who don't have familiarity with a lot of characters in the DC Comics universe that all of a sudden just showed up. And so they're just the whole time you're, I'm really watching the plot. I'm really wanting to wanting to like it, and it just okay. wasn't there. So, but Civil yes. War, for example, is a case study about how you put a bunch of superheroes together in a movie where it's like you have a connection to all of them, but there's also a very in-depth plot that is very much complementary of Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which dealt with a lot of the big aspects government. of big government and espionage and what is. What's right, what's unjust, and all that, and all the stuff. So what Whether was your it, take? What was my take on it? 
So, I mean, my take on my Team Cap or Team Iron Man? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. It's the Captain movie. America. The movie. It was good. It was awesome. Probably one of yeah. the Probably, I don't know what's... I still think the Winter Soldier is probably my favorite Cap Marvel movie. Um, but this is probably better than both Avengers, I think, because it just had the intricacy of the plot. Yeah. And also, it brought into like a lot of questions about what what is you know ethical as far as like how you do things like um there's been a lot of we were just talking about earlier there's there's times in american history we're talking about like japan with uh hiroshima and nagasaki where it's right. like okay yeah we ended the war but at what cost is that right. necessarily justified and there's both there's people who are very republican christian and conservative that still would say that that's a just thing right and we're talking about the context of it so it brought up a lot of kind of those ideas too like what's is it is, are these casualties justifiable given what well, we say to a lot of people, but those people still died? Um, right. You know that that happened. I think it was one of the opening sequences where, you know, there were you know civilian casualties, which is I think it's kind of cool too because a lot of times, you know, you'll have superhero movies where you know there's all this sort of like damage going on and things like that, and it's just sort of like oh those buildings are blowing up and cars are blowing up, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really make you take into the account like what if there's actually a person like in that you know vehicle or something right. and so you know it made you like really kind of look at like the bigger picture like a more realistic view um yeah. something you take into question like if these people did exist how how would we do them yeah and i think we've our our um when it comes to war i think our our view of what's just and is not just has been skewed by america right mm-hmm. so like that was just because it benefited america Mm-hmm. Right, but I think you're right. After seeing this movie and after me visiting Hiroshima, we're like, eh, it's not really yeah. just. That's and, and not like a really Kauai, good definition like we just, of just. Yes, like we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you think, honey? Well, did you say that, Bridger? That yeah. you you need to make sure you add Bridger. I did it on purpose. Well, yeah, I am you the honey. So <laughs> I feel like a wandering child in this conversation. So I don't know what happened before. I came in, but Captain America, I thought it was great. I don't want to be like a spoiler person, but no, that's, I yeah. love... Jerry. that's Jerry's oh, job. Oh yeah, yeah, he already just, did, but yeah. I'm just saying. No, he didn't spoil anything. I was all for the Winter Soldier in that movie, and it, I was I was anticipating, I guess, the plot twist in the movie itself, mm-hmm. and I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was like, yes. So how do you how do you feel as someone who has served in the military and still is? Technically working for Uncle Sam. How do you feel? Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for the how, follow-up. How do you, how do, how, like in the, in the movie like that, where it it pits you know someone uh, against what the the law is saying, you know the government's telling them. Like if like in your situation, how would you deal with a situation like that? If you were like you have to do this, and you're like that's not moral. Yeah. So. Uh, a great thing about the military, especially serving, like I served in the Marine Corps Infantry, they teach you the you know, law of war. And even if you're given an order from your superior commander that's unethical or immoral, you have the right and the duty to disobey that order. Hmm. So they do state that. They don't go in depth because morality is right now in our country is kind of subjective. Right, right. right. But it's an underlying tone that everyone knows what, what's moral. So if you go in a village... And you had a close with to destroy the enemy, you know, say uniform, you know, soldiers, 
right, blatantly they're our enemy. We're at war with them. We have to do our duty as you know, Marines or soldiers or Navy SEALs, whoever's fighting. But you come across, you know, a wounded enemy combatant. What do you do? Do mm-hmm. you kill him or her, mm-hmm. or do you provide aid? Of course, you mm-hmm. provide aid. You know, that's what they teach us. That's what we're yeah. encouraged to do. Now, if it's a civilian, same thing. It doesn't matter. Like we have to do the right thing at the right at all times. Right. And regardless of the situation, they, that person, that enemy combatant that's injured, that's surrendered. They might have been shooting at you or your best friends five minutes earlier. Mm. And that's a dilemma that, you know, I face, that Marines face daily out in Afghanistan or Iraq now. So, yeah, mm. and there's always that's always a complicated situation, too. I remember the uh, the story of Lone Survivor uh, with Marcus Luttrell, like when they captured when they their mission was compromised because they got exposed by guys who are shepherds. And I believe they ended up detaining them. And the question was, like, what do we do? Do we we leave them here? We bind them, and they get you know they probably die in the cold, or we can just we can kill them because they're going. They do not like us. They're going to go down and warn all these enemy combatants. And so it was just a really screwy situation. And you know, obviously they they chose to let them go because they thought it was unethical. Because essentially they'd be executing them. Um, that was the call and and what transpires what transpired as far as that story goes but um, no it's interesting too just because like in, in your context of being in the military that you know the standard is for all intents and purposes in the military is the US is the constitution that's part of your oath um, that was like I was going to go to the Navy I unfortunately I got medically disqualified but one of the things I was required to do you know once I was officially enlisted and, and passed all of my uh, screening processes was to take an oath that I was supposed to preserve and protect the Constitution. And obviously there may be situations now where if I truly my conscience do not believe that this order is in the best interest of protecting and preserving the Constitution, that's that's where you stand up. So it's interesting you mentioned that just because, you know, we've been talking a lot too just in regards to the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And essentially it's like with with you and, and when you were serving, there's almost an opportunity in, in some context, and you can comment on this, where where you could almost sort of within the role that you had in the military as a Marine, where you could be a lesser magistrate if you thought something wasn't just. Was that, would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Um, one thing I want to put out, which is um, really unique. So going from enlisted to commission, so enlisted, you're like, a non-commissioned officer well you start off as like a private then you work up ranks i got up to nco a corporal in the marine corps and once you took the oath and say um um the in processing station it's slipping my mind so at meps you do um oath of office and you right. uh take an oath uh to obey the orders of the commander chief and the officers above you but as an officer once you commission you don't take that same oath you take a uh oath similar but you don't follow like you know obey all orders of commander in chief and the officers appointed over me that part of the oath is taken out so you protect and preserve the constitution of the united states against all enemies foreign mm. domestic mm. so i thought that's very interesting that the officers themselves are like a lesser magistrate in the military wow indirectly mm-hmm. interesting so as we mentioned uh you know the civil war is very anti-big government which is why Marcus loved this so much. Um, the part that he stayed awake for. So I have a... I, this could be a spoiler alert. I'm going to read a quote from Captain America. So we can talk about it. It's all over Facebook, so... 
Sorry if you haven't seen the movie yet. But at a point, he, he has this quote. He says, doesn't matter what the press says. Doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob mob say. Doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Mm, that's like Psalms 1 right there. Well, there's one other Captain America quote. This is probably my one of my favorites. Um, it's uh, probably very good. It's very theologically. I this one out, uh, <laughs> I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> Back when he interacted yeah. with Thor from the Avengers one. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So, um, I just really like that quote because I kind of feel like we're in that position as a church right now in our culture where we have to stand up. You know, talk, Jerry, you brought up lesser magistrates. Like, mm-hmm. that's what lesser magistrates should be doing is saying, I don't care what the president says. Uh, that's not right. That's not truth. And I'm going to stand firm right. for truth. You know, no, you move. I'm not moving. And so I really like that. Yeah, and even it's a point where you know people talk about it's not up to. It's interesting that you've heard people from the left um, when there's you know just biblical laws being legislated, and they'll say, "Well, it's not up to the government to legislate morality," which is a very it's extremely dishonest and misleading. Um, the decision recently with on the transgender bathrooms, essentially an executive mandate. Um, you're going to tell me that's not a moral issue um, as right. far as when it's when it's dealing with that so yeah we're very interesting time like as a church goes i mean you're don't it's not just it it won't just stop at schools what's going to happen when if we have with we have a church and all of a sudden the government gives orders to you either need to create transgender bathrooms or lose your tax exempt status don't tell me that's not going to that's not down the road given where we're headed Mm. um and like what do you do in that context And, and it's a very interesting too um, and especially, you know, I've listened to a lot of what, you know, Dr. Michael Brown has talked about, like, how do you, you know, reach out and, and minister to people like in, in the LGBT community and, and share the gospel with them, but at the same time, like stand for like righteousness and mm-hmm. how do you, how you, how do you balance the two out? Um, yeah, it's very, inter- it's definitely, you know, very interesting times for sure. Yeah. If I can just add to something you were saying, um, as far as a tax exempt status, this is something we've learned pretty recently in the last year all churches technically are tax exempt and don't need to sign don't need to be a 501c3 mm. and so when you become 501c3 it's really just so the government it was actually created so the government has something over you and so technically all churches are uh tax exempt hmm. there's a little nugget for you but uh marcus do you have anything else to say before we transition into the next subject nope i'm good okay so speaking of big government yes Bernie sanders <laughs> yes, he would be an example of somebody who supports big government. Marcus, tell us what is coming from the big government that has got you very angry. Oh, oh man. All right. So I went to my local vape store that we essentially most of Apologia hangs out at. You know, like I spend some time with some brothers of the church there in the evenings and we that's just where we that's just our gathering place we hang out 
And uh, so I was there the other day, and I was talking to the owner. His name is David. He's a great guy, really nice guy. He's a contractor who started this business on the side, and now he just opened up a second shop. And, and I asked him, I said, hey, I heard about these FDA regulations on vaping, and I was just wondering like how it's going to affect the business. And he just looked at me, and he was like, yeah, we're going to be out of business in August. Like it's, it's literally going to shut them down. Uh, so yeah. the government has, uh, in partnership with Big Tobacco, for sure. Like, there's no, there, I mean, there, uh, that's, I mean, those lobbyists signed the bill, you know. So yeah. But uh, but uh, so essentially, what's going to happen is they're making all the you know the mods, the batteries, uh, the vaping equipment will be essentially illegal. And then, as far as vape juice, in order to have vape juice, which only consists of three ingredients: propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin. And whatever natural flavors you want to add, or organic, or what? So that's it. Like, right? So it's just flavor, propylene glycol, and vegetable glycerin. That's that's the only three things. Those three things, when added together, now uh, have to be approved by the FDA. And in order to get it approved by the FDA, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars per product per flavor. Wow. And so, essentially, they're saying 99% of all vape juice will be outlawed uh, August 8th, essentially. Um, Which all that means is essentially the prohibition era for vaping. Um, Well, there's going to be a black market. There's going to be a black market. Um, Now, in a a situation like this, and maybe I can just kind of throw this out here, if the government in correlation with big tobacco which is really interesting too as much as the government has done to demonize big tobacco um there's a really fantastic movie that came out probably a decade ago the russell crowe and al pacino called the insider which is about an investigation that uh one that the character by russell russell crowe did where the tobacco industry was just going through all these processes to make the tobacco intentionally more addictive to make people smoke more and which is really a fascinating movie in and of itself, and now they're now they're still in cohorts together in spite of all of that, which is interesting. But did you say cohorts? In cohorts, 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 cohorts. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's probably where I where I come from. Some people say Missouri. Some people say Missouri. So, ah, ah. Marcus, let me ask you, let me ask you this, because this now. is a very passionate subject of yours. So, in a context where the government makes these regulations and essentially just makes it, un, this is unjust. It is, is it unjust? unjust? Yeah. Right. But is it okay, as, as you're conscious as a Christian, to go to the black market to continue to vape um, in spite of the regulations? That is, is a that, deep question. That uh, is a question... We should discuss off the air. <laughs> that's just a question. Yeah. No, no, I don't. It's just a question. Well, yeah. Well, I think, you know, they're. Big brother might be listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be. I, I, well, I think, like, in ter- it just depends on how the law is worded. So I would think that uh, as far as vape juice goes, there's nothing illegal about buying those ingredients separately. Right. Right. So, like, I can buy organic flavoring from Whole Foods. Right, and then I can get propylene glycol and vegetable. I can get vegetable glycerin at Whole Foods, and and so so I can get all those ingredients separately. Um, I think I can even st- I'll still even be able to get the nicotine separately. So the the concentrate because that's that's not illegal to buy nicotine 
because it can't be because farmers use it as a fertilizer. So farmers have actually prevented nicotine from being illegal. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so all the, all those three, that's why they don't tax nicotine. What they're redo, the law is reclassifying vape as a tobacco product because they can't tax nicotine because of the far, farmers. Okay. So so there's no tobacco in vape juice, but they're somehow classifying as a tobacco product. So right. so uh, so. Uh, so I don't think it's illegal per se for an. In- I don't even think the law actually. It's illegal for an individual to make it on their own. It's illegal to resell it. Gotcha. So, um, however, the loop, the loopholes. I was told there's some loopholes that they're looking into to see how yeah. they can continue to do business. What if we just um, tell them we can just self-identify the vape as not being tobacco? Yeah. Right. Seriously. Well, well, they. That's what they did. They self-identified vape as a tobacco. Yeah, that's tobacco true. Product. That's true. So it's they convenient when did. they want to use it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just. I. I, I would say. I mean, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to make a bigger underground market for it for mm-hmm. sure from people who are covering their expenses, quote unquote, for making it for a friend. You know what I mean? So, right. So there's. I mean, it's going to call create that. But I mean, I think the bigger issue here. Is there is a there? I mean, David is just one guy, um, and they're the government just ruined his business. Yeah, this, he put his life into this, and yeah, he's worked really hard. He's a great guy, Luke. You know him. Yeah, I know, dude. Yeah, and uh, so it's a it's an oppor- it's an opportunity for us. You know, I was talking to to uh, Jeff about you know it's an opportunity for our church to come behind this community, the vape community. Who you know? It's a lot of potheads in there. It's a lot of uh, people who are on drugs and drink, and and uh, just a lot of young people living their mom's yeah, basements. This is an opportunity for our church to come behind these people um, and say, "Hey, look, we want to help you. We think this law is unjust. And what resources do we have that, as a church, we can aid you in in fighting this law? Hmm. You know, because we don't we don't believe this is loving our neighbor, and it's an opportunity for our church to really." reach a community that uh, would fit well at Apologia. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, uh, so that's, that's what we're going to look into now in terms of, uh, cause, cause I mean, they did it with marijuana. I didn't Colorado and, and Oregon, they, they did it with marijuana. They essentially said, you know what? Federal government, were just ignoring these regulations. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so if there would be a state level ban, I think on it would be something to fight for. But I mean, these are, I mean, I mean, you, no matter what you think about vaping, whether it's healthy or unhealthy or, or whatever, the, the let men regulate themselves. We don't need the government to shut down people's businesses and their livelihood because of this. And, and I think the bigger issue here, too, it's not just big government. That's the problem in this. It's it's to the tobacco lobbies. Right. Who this is what this is. This is actually true. I, I worked at a cigar lounge before I came here, so I was always reading on the FDA regulations that they were proposing against cigars. And so essentially what it is, is the tobacco lobbies want to keep people smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Vaping came along, and people were like, hey, this is less addictive. It's it's healthier. I can get all organic stuff in there, and, uh, and it tastes better, and I don't stink, and I can do it inside, and it doesn't stink up a room. Like, this is a all, all inclusive better product mm-hmm. <laughs> right and so the tobacco lobbies for the past years have been saying hey we want to keep people smoking cigarettes so any sort of product that comes along that uh we don't like or like whether it's cigars 
chewing tobacco or whatever other tobacco product that comes along that's not a cigarette, the cigarette lobbies have said, well, we're going to tax them to death and put them out of business. And that way we can, because we have the money to pay for the regulations that we tax. So they're essentially taxing themselves as a way to get rid of small business. And when vaping came around, they were not a tobacco product. They didn't have any regulation at all for the past year. Or for the past few years, it's been a completely free market. Like there's not even like a... A, a vaping tax you need to start a vaping business mm-hmm. right so it's just a free completely free market industry and 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 they the cigarette lobbies were losing millions of dollars to people who are quitting smoking because of this and so they decided to petition the government to classify vaping as a tobacco product which uh you know was going to put a lot of people out of business right and I think that's cruel. That's crony capitalism. That is not free market uh, at all. It is bribing the government to accomplish your will. And it's stupid. It's stupid because the tobacco lobbies have the money. They have, like Philip Morris, uh, those guys have the money to be able to invest and purchase other vaping companies that exactly. are starting up. Exactly. And they can make a lot of money in yep. a free market. Well, what's yeah. going to happen is it's going to force it's going to force a monopoly by the big tobacco companies. So they're going to force on all these little vape companies, and here's you're going to see the big tobacco companies swoop in, and they're going to they can afford it, like you said, and so they'll they'll start running the table, and they'll start increasing prices and and all that. So that's what's going to happen. That's going to be the result. Right. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what'll happen. It's just not good news and. And you know, I, I just really feel bad for David. He just he just opened up his new shop, and he'll probably have to declare bankruptcy on all this stuff. Ugh, um, that sucks because of, because of that, and that's just wicked. It's wicked to want that. Yeah. What if they like rename instead of vape, the vaping company, organic juice company, and sell the products, the same products? Because Marcus, you're saying it's all organic, right? Yeah, I, I think. Well, the there's a there's a huge demand now for all organic vaping stuff not all of it is but a, a vast majority of stuff that's coming out just based on what people want not because of government regulation uh, the, there's a, a huge amount of organic uh, stuff uh, I but I, I think I think what will happen I think the issue is whether the nicotine I think that's what they're looking into it they, what'll probably happen is they'll just sell vape juice without nicotine. And people buy it separately and mix it themselves mm. if they want nicotine in it. Mm. So that's essentially, I think, the loophole they're looking at. Personally, I would take the battery mods and I would just attach like an LED to them and just sell them as flashlights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and, then, and then and then that way, you know, people can do what they want because it's not illegal to sell a battery. Right. But they're making it illegal to sell batteries. Right. You know, it's just re- it's ridiculous. It's just so they're gonna they want to outlaw the mods completely. That from, I don't know. I don't know. Like the FDA regulations is 500 pages long, so Man, I nobody got time for I, that. Yeah, I haven't had time to like look over it. Uh, but essentially, ultimately, it's a classification of vaping becoming a tobacco product and facing the same regulations. They can't advertise. They they can't. Um, they have to put giant FDA warning labels on their on their stuff that cover up any brand messaging. I mean, it's just it's, and this is the problem is it's just such a new industry that 
the big business of the vaping industry is still considered a small business. Right. You know, and they're not going to be able to pay for all the... Right. It'll cost upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars to introduce one new vape product. I mean, that's, that's nuts, just man. insane. Were you going to say something? No, that was it. Okay. That's insane. Jerry, any other thoughts? Um. So, when do I need to buy my vape stuff by... Like uh, August seventh, I think August seventh. I think they come into play August eighth. That's my wife's birthday. She's outlawing vaping. (laughs) My wife would do that. Hey, I'm not for (laughs) vaping. I don't like vaping. I know. I know, Bridger. It's all right. We've had this conversation. It's all right. But 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 would you would you make it illegal because you don't like it? No, I'm all for the free market and everything. All right. Like, that's that's dumb. That's a good answer. Hey, that's you know answer. what? We're just going to have to figure out a way to that's innovate. Like, that's and... like a normal human being thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't like what you're doing, but it's not immoral, and I'm just going to just nah. let the free market You should, you should see thing. my Facebook scrolls. Oh, that offends me. Keep yeah. on scrolling down. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just gonna. we're just going to work through, and people are going to like make all the products on 3D printers. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's gonna happen. I mean, people are just gonna figure out ways to make the stuff ourselves. I mean, juice yeah. from a three D printer. <laughs> they no, do. Like, no, but no, like the vape, like the actual, like the, the vaping, the vaping mods and stuff. Yeah, that might melt. Um, but one time use only. Yeah, <laughs> three hours. Take you three hours to print it out, and then that's it. They they did increase the vaping age to twenty one in Hawaii though at a state level. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. So a lot of people are bummed out about that because there's a huge market from people 18 to 21 that they're already doing it. And yeah. now the government just says, no, can't do it anymore. We're what a bunch good. of jerks. Yeah, it's, it's we, we don't live in a free country anymore. I told that to David. I said, you know, we just don't live in a free country anymore. And he's like, hey, we haven't lived in a free country in a long time. I was just like, just the sadness on his face it makes me want to go fighting for anyways, punch Bridger. a fellow Morris lobbyist. Our future. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. High four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've gotten so many people have said how hilarious the finger show was. Good. The finger like, show. People, <laughs> like Dennis told me he was, uh, he was like, it was before a game and he was like doing his pregame stuff and he was listening to it and he just started like laughing out loud and people were looking at him all weird. Well, I'm, so, I'm glad I blessed Dennis. Yeah. A lot of people though have loved it. So Good. nice job. I'm glad you came in. With all your nine and third digits and made the show wonderful. So I was going to ask you guys, what did you guys want to be growing up? Uh, most of my life was I wanted to play professional football. Mm. There was a period where I wanted to be a park ranger. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd be a park ranger. Yeah. yeah I still would do that. Yeah. Jerry, but, how about uh, you? Except, um, it's, except it's, I'd be working for Uncle Sam. That's all right. Like what I want to be when I was a kid. Yeah, Indiana Jones. Oh, <laughs> high five to that. Yeah, I just used my sister's jump rope to pretend it was a whip, and I was like, "I'm gonna be an archaeologist when I grow up," and I just grab it like. Whoosh, whoosh. That's what I did. That is amazing, Jerry. I did yep. not know that. Yeah. What Bridge. about you? What about you, Bridge? Oh, I just want to be Bridge a ha- Bridge. I just want to be a hand model. <laughs> <laughs> did you set that up? Oh yeah. That whole thing oh, was one set up. Goodness gracious! Where oh, was Jeff? Wow. I was you're channeling Zoolander here, right? The hand model. Oh, yeah. yeah, the, guy yeah. Has, the guy has like the hand yeah. that's protected. Yeah. There yeah. was a really good Seinfeld episode where George is a hand model for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And then he hurts his hand. Hilarious. How, how about you, Marcus? What did you want to be when you, when you were growing up? A computer hacker. He's Are almost there. Yeah, He's almost I, there. I was, I was going to school for network security. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Did you see that old Before that? I found film? That is really interesting. Yeah, did or you ever say see- film found me? All right, Mr. Robot. Marcus, what? did you ever see that one movie with Angela Jolie called Hackers? Came out in the 90s? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, okay. Just wonder if you'd seen that. Maybe hey, that when does Mr. You. Robot come back on? It's pretty soon, right? July. Yes. Can't wait for that. Okay, so before we end this segment, we want to talk about the live stream of ReformCon. Since you, yeah. you two got that all figured out, fill us in, because I don't know any of the details. Yeah, so by the time you guys get this podcast to listen to it next week, um, we should have uh, the content and the links available on our Instagram, our Facebook page, and pretty much everywhere, where there's a lot of you who are excited about the speakers, but you just, maybe you're on the East Coast and you just weren't able to, with your finances, maybe you owned a vape store and all of a sudden now... Uh, <laughs> Well played. Yeah, and well all played. of a sudden now it's like, shoot, I don't know if the I can only really... excuse. Yeah, and so you, we want to be able to make this because we want to be able to share this with everyone. And just because of the context of and the way we're setting up, it's going to be a very like close and almost intimate environment that's very different from your typical Christian conference. And so we want you guys will have the opportunity to participate in the conference, not just by watching it online. But we're going to have the opportunity just through um, our live stream and through tweets and just through social media interaction to be able to interact with us at the conference live. And so uh, we're very excited about that. And also the re- just because it's, we're gonna be, it's very affordable um, and you're going to be able to uh, participate and all the proceeds are going to uh, our mission in Kauai. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you guys this is that you know, I've been... Up and up until the entire time I heard about all the things that are going on in Kauai, I just I was kind of preoccupied with um with where I was serving at. I was going on a different mission uh, to Africa, and so I just never really understood the full purpose and context of the mission um, as far as expanding the kingdom of God. Uh, Marcus just made we're going to be releasing about a twenty minute documentary about Kauai, and honestly, for the first way we watched it at church. And it was probably the first time where I, like, I really was moved uh, in regards to just really seeing the true heart and the mission of what it really means to bring uh, the gospel and, and Kauai under the dominion of Christ, just given what we talked about earlier in regards to um, how the government treated them and where and also where the Kauai is at now with being under the cults. And so um, when you guys will see that, you're not just getting a live stream, but you are actually participating uh, and get to, you get to be part of that mission, right. the expansion of the kingdom. Right. So we're going to be kind of sharing that with you guys. And so not only do you get to get a bunch of live content, um, interaction, but you also get to really play a crucial role mm-hmm. um, in advancing. That's you also, a great point. You, also get a, you also get a month of free Apology All Access. So how does this work, the live the live stream? How is this going to work? Essentially, we're gonna you're going to buy uh, a ticket to the live stream. And then the day each day of the conference, we'll send you an email with a login and password for that day's stream. That's awesome. How much is it, the Only donation for that? Nineteen ninety-five. Awesome. So, and so next week, we will have the opportunity to get it for $19.95 um, the entire, for all next week. Uh, once the week of the conference hits, though, it is going up to $39.95. And so we want to give everyone the ability just to get at that lower price just to uh, take advantage yeah. of it. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that really wanted to come, but they just couldn't. You know, so like you said, we want to make the content available. It's going to be really awesome. It's going to be a really good live stream too. It's not going to be like 
a laptop set up, you know, like on a chair. Yeah. Would they be got... able to choose different camera angles, or how is this all going to work out? I'll choose the camera okay. angles, Bridger. You'll see. Don't be giving our right. listeners ideas. Hey, I'll choose. I'm trying to open up the free market for our customers. <laughs> I'll choose. No, we no, might I'll, have some drones. I'll, I'll, have some, I'll be behind a switchboard. It'll be a multi-camera, yeah. nice production. Just like something you would see at, you know. And what's the dates again? The Gospel Coalition Conference or something like uh, that. June 1st through the 4th. Yeah. And that will be only the main sessions, is that correct? Yeah, so the main sessions will be live streamed uh, and the breakout sessions will be recorded and posted on Apology All Access at a later time. It's just not technically possible right. to do two right. live streams at once. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so we'll record them separately and we will... Uh, we, it'll it'll be awesome. I mean, I'm not, I can't talk about my breakout session I'm working on. It's gonna be awesome. I'm excited for it. So I'm I'm, wor- I'm, ta- I'm working on the history of media from the Tower of Babel till today, and so the premise and thesis that I'm going to attempt to prove in my in my lecture. It's not really a sermon. It's a lecture. Is that once well, there was a su- a supernatural suppression of technology from the Tower of Babel until Pentecost. And then once Christ resurrected and ascended and the curse of Babel was lifted uh, and, and people were speaking in tongues and the ability to translate languages uh, came about more abundantly than ever in the history of the world, so does technology. And uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just hint at this. Uh, the New Testament was written on papyrus and papyrus was invented around 3000 BC before the Tower of Babel Mm. so at the Tower of Babel all the way until paper was invented in 105 AD so there was no technological advancements in terms of media and communication that whole entire period for 3000 years Mm. and so and then I'll go from paper to the printing press, to the telegraph, to internet, TV, radio. Uh, and I'll just show how each of the major technological advancements is essentially a result of a great reformation in our country. Well, now so, nobody needs to listen. You just yeah, you just explained your whole message. Well, I'm well, I'm there, just there'll kidding. be some video clips and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I might throw yeah. some PowerPoint I'll slides some, in there. Yeah. You know, it'll be a but little different. But it's good. I mean, that's just one breakout. So, like, that's just yeah. one. You know what I mean? Andy Wilson is coming, and he's going to have a breakout session and a main session. Oh, Darren Doan. I, I asked Darren on the, yesterday, by the way, for the title of his talks. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I'll think of it on a plane. <laughs> 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 so that's going to be Darren. great. That's going to be great. So it, it's yeah. just going to be really good. And then, uh, you know, you're doing one loop too, right? Yeah, I'm going to do a breakout on reforming social media. <laughs> I like it behavior wise, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, time to take a nap, right? Right now? No. During your breakout session. No, you right? should be there. <laughs> Marcus and I are doing different slots so we can see each other's breakouts. So um, you will be, if, if you do the live stream, though, you will be seeing John Sampson, Vocab Malone, Jeff, uh, Darren Doan, Nate Wilson, Scott Oliphant, Dr. White. I think that's it, right? Yeah. 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 So you'll be getting all those, which is pretty dope. Hashtag dope. dope. <laughs> Were you going to say something? No, I was going quote something. But, Go ahead, quote it. Uh, d- you know what dope stands for? Uh, drugs? No. No, so... <laughs> 
Like no. the, full, the cool version of like, man, that is so dope, man. No, saw, dude. No, uh, it's not that. No, dope. All right, this is like my like military nerd stuff. So dope means data on previous engagement. So it's on your scope, on your rifle. If you're in, a, you know, scout sniper platoon. So every time someone says dope, I'm like, I don't know what was the data. What was the data? What is that like your like range and yeah range and uh, there's like a mill scale on the yeah reticle and stuff so you could so so when someone says that you you like look for your gun to pick it up no I'm just thinking like we we weren't talking about that oh how how's this have to do with anything so every time you say dope that's what I think okay that's dope that's dope were you gonna say something Jerry yeah so basically like all the guys now who are uh they when they're in the in combat situations and they're now like carry GoPros. Like when they're fighting, like so the data on the GoPro would essentially be no, that'd be dope. No, that it's data, it's data from like in a previous engagement, and it's like you're maybe, clear to engage. Maybe we can put that in a book and redefine it. I didn't even think you were listening, Jerry. That was yeah. a very good insight. Yeah, sometimes I go into deep reflection. <laughs> <laughs> other, other times I miss not paying attention, so yeah. it can be either or. That's funny. Yep. Alright, anything else, Marcus, to add to that? No, I think that's the end of the show. Real quick. Oh, it's the end of the show? It We're not going to do another segment? It is the end of the show. Real quick, where do I get a cool t-shirt? What kind of cool t-shirt? Like yours. We already talked about Mission Aware. Yeah, oh, you my missed bad. it. You're, she missed you're late it. to the game, bro. Well, we could mission it again. Yeah, we can. Missionaware.com Get Wait. some cotton <laughs> shirts. Okay, well, here's the thing. I really want to do something really fun, but since Jeff's not here, I wasn't able to do it. But can we still do it? Uh, sure. Okay, so it's really hilarious. When he listens to it, he's going to die laughing. Okay, so I want to I wanna do a real quick segment here. Not a whole segment, just a couple minutes. And, oh, there he is. There he is. Perfect timing. He just walked in. This is, this is, this is provid- this providential is, right this here. This is dope. All right, so we're going to do the ultimate. Uh, dude. Asada. Asada. We're going to make a lot of people sick of this. <laughs> I love <Asada>. it. Asada. <laughs> okay. So somebody sent me something. You may have already listened to this. Oh, okay. But, uh. It was from the go. dead. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Doug Wilson talks about that too. It's like. Jesus has already rose from the dead. What else? Do <laughs> what is that? Need? <laughs> Oh, somebody, yeah, there was somebody a guy that sent me that message and yeah. said we got to listen to the last episode. Yeah. This slow. is hilarious. The last eight minutes of the finger episode in, in half speed. It's amazing. <laughs> and, and, and beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let, let me hear it. So, so I just, you know, I just think. That, we have to really look at the resurrection. Oh my goodness! As our hope <laughs> during this time. Amen. Yeah, man. So Daniel two um, is the timing of the kingdom. Just quickly look at it. Daniel two. As you can see, what uh, medical marijuana is now legal in Arizona. I think yeah, so. Yeah. That's what it is. That what it is. <laughs> I think I'm watching the the sloth part in Zootopia. I was just thinking that too. Was that was the podcast uploaded like that? No. 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 He, just, oh. he must have accidentally hit it at half speed or something. So if you have the ability on your app to listen to it in half speed, okay. you will laugh. 
really hard destroyed. for a really long time. <laughs> it might take you a while to get through, but we could do our own original podcast. It's called the Sloth Dialogue. We're just talking about deep theology, but look at their voices really slowed down. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to do that. Too much. So that was it. We're gonna end the segment on that. That's it. Oh no, okay. we're ending the show. Okay. I mean the show. That's okay. what I meant. So, um, uh, you guys got a chance while I was gone to talk about the live stream and ReformCon. Good. Let me give you guys one word of encouragement before we leave today. Um, I just got off the phone. I went to pick up my son from his last day of his homeschool co-op, and uh, he's finished now with 11th grade, going into 12th. Really cool conversation uh, in the car just about his future, and uh, just it's just encouraging being able to raise your kids in that way. Um, uh, I got a phone call from somebody uh, you were talking to last night, Pastor Luke. And uh, it was just moving. Uh, he just called me. He was just in tears and was saying thank you. And, you know, this is a grown man that looks hardcore, tatted up all over his neck mm. and face yeah. and just in tears, just saying thank you. He just recently came to Christ mm. out of Mormonism. Um, and uh, his story is actually pretty amazing. We'll probably eventually have him on the radio show. He went from Mormonism to the Hells Angels yeah. to Christ. And uh, it just, it was really moving uh, just hearing from him just now. Uh, His story is interesting because um, as he came back to Arizona out of the Hells Angels, um, I think he had asked God to show him the truth about Mormonism, and he goes online and he 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 types he types in something, and the first thing that comes up is our video, the Gospel yeah. for Mormons. And so he says that he watched that video. He went to all the scriptures that were quoted in that video. He went to all the references re- references to Joseph Smith's statements that I made in that video, and he he turned to Christ. And we're baptizing Amen. both him and his wife yes. this Sunday. Yes. Yeah. What? What? Did he, did he tell you he was connected to that other ex Mormon? Well, that's too? the thing. Yeah. Is I was just going to say wow. that's the next part of it's amazing is that it turns out last week um, let me I'm not going to say this person's name um, I'm going to try to protect our identity for now um, I got a message at Apologia Radio's Facebook page I never really check those because I'm just too busy to do so but I happen to see it and it's providential that I did <laughs> trust me uh, so I see it and she's trying to get a hold of me and she can't because my Facebook friends list is completely full and so like if you send me a message on Facebook right now and you're not my friend on Facebook uh, Facebook has given you a maximum so I, I, I can't even see your message it goes into my other folder and there are like 1500 messages in the other folder so she couldn't get a hold of me and she said how can I get a hold of Jeff sent him a message and so I saw it so I said hey get me at such and such and so I got the message in like five or ten minutes and this person starts to tell me about who they are and here's the thing I already knew who she was because I have uh, seen her blog and seen people talk about this person uh, for a couple of years now so I was already familiar with who she was and a very very well-known Mormon And she's telling me her story of who she is. And I'm thinking initially that she wants maybe to get me on her radio show or she wants to be on the radio show. And so it's kind of where I thought that this was going. And as she describes her story and who she is, she then says, and I want out. Mm-hmm. In other words, I want out of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my jaw dropped. My heart almost exploded. And I continue to read, and I see what God is doing in her life. And so what, what, where, this is what I'm going to get to. Where did she go? Where did God direct her to our resources on YouTube where we're Amen. having dialogues with Mormons? And the video, The Gospel for Mormons, is there. And so I ended up saying, okay, well, let's not do this through text. Let's talk on the phone. I had to think about a two-hour conversation with her on the phone. 
And at the end of that conversation, I just told her, I said, I think that the most important thing for you right now is not to let your eyes close tonight uh, before you've turned to Christ to trust in him, mm. the true Christ. Yeah. And she did. She yeah. turned to Christ. So now here's this very, very famous Mormon who now has turned to Christ. And it turns out that yes. Dan, yes. who we're baptizing this weekend with his wife, knows this person. Yeah. They wow. know each other. They knew each other as Mormons. Yeah. And they've both turned to Christ through God's grace and power, but yeah. through the ministry of Apologia Church and Amen. online Amen. stuff. So why bring it up? Number one, glory to God. Number glory. two, here's what I want to say. Um, we have the ability today to communicate the gospel 24 hours a day across the planet at the click of a button. It is on rerun. So, If God is calling you to reach people in this modern society in which we live, and he's given you the resources to do so, videos, blogs, Facebook Live videos, um, on-the-street evangelism encounters, trust me, um, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And if you engage in it, you have no idea what God's going to do with that stuff. This is, listen, this is just like in the last week kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that we're telling you about. And here's the thing. Uh, I was telling Dan a moment ago, Luke, um, and Marcus knows this. This is crazy. Uh, That video we have up, the gospel for Mormons that Dan ran into that ultimately led him to Christ. um, That video was not planned. And we were on our way to Moscow, Idaho Mm -hmm. when uh, Marcus shows up at my house and I'm, I got my bags packed, ready to get on the plane to head to the airport, which is like 10 minutes away from my house. And I find out from Marcus that like our flight is delayed. delayed, yeah. And so something was wrong with our plane, so our flight was delayed. So we ended up getting stuck that night in Salt Lake. Yep. By it just we got stuck. We had no plan, and we ended up staying in Salt Lake that night. And since we were there, it was like midnight. We were like, hey, let's go to the temple since we're here. Let's make a video. And it was hilarious because we're there and it was freezing outside. I'm like, I got the heater on full blast in the car. I'm warming my body up so I can step outside to do this 12 minute long video or so. We do the video, we put it up and now there's something like 35,000 views or something like that. And it's led people to Christ. And um, listen, it's worth it. Like it's worth the risk. It's worth you putting yourself out there. It's worth you risking a lot to preach the gospel. And when you do this stuff, God uses it. You know, I can't tell you how many people have come to Christ out of Mormonism as a result of Apologia Church? That's one church. That's, that's us. You can do it. If God's calling you to it, invest mm-hmm. your life in it, reach people with the gospel, God saves. Mormonism is coming a part of the seams. Yep. And it's, it's going to be destroyed and under Jesus' feet. We've got to start hitting them hard with the gospel, hitting them consistently with the gospel. We've got to do it now. And, and that needs to go across the board to whatever God has called you to. But Mormonism is on its way out. And uh, it's, it's time for us to work hard. We need to stand in the gap. Yeah. It's time for us to work hard. All right, guys. So ApologiaRadio.com is where you go to get the past episodes, to get all, all access to the TV shows, the after show, the Academy. Don't forget to go to reformcon.org to pick up your tickets for ReformCon and the live stream. That's uh, Honey Bridger. Yo. Luke the Bear. <laughs> Peace out. I'm the Ninja. That's Nostradamus. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Marcus. King Ginger. Did you tell everyone about Postbit? Uh, we did not. Postbit is coming soon on YouTube. Apologia Studios on YouTube. It's our um, engaging in the world of video games. Postbit, our first game we reviewed was The Division. We're going to do more on that as well. But uh, check it out on Apologia Studios on YouTube, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. 
the finger of God. That's just <laughs> it. It's just the way things are. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Finger? Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it took him a minute. <laughs> 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 Y'all are hurting my heart. <laughs> Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at Apologia Church. Dot com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Temby. Hey there. We are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory!